like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club bonus episode. It's just me, John Burke, here today. Um, in fact, on the actual episode you're going to hear... It's me and Matt um, from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, home here to BerkReviews.com. Uh, Matt and I are going to be covering the Fantasia International Film Festival, and we did a preview episode um, on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, but we wanted to make sure our other listeners, um, one, learn about the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, but also uh, learn about the Fantasia International Film Festival that is going to be streaming online uh, starting August 20th. And we wanted to uh, preview um, some of the movies that are going to be at the festival that you're going to be able to watch uh, for whatever the fees are um, online uh, from the safety of your own home during this uncertain time of the pandemic. So this episode you're about to hear, again, is a bonus. This is not going to interrupt the normal movie club episode by any means, but it'll let you kind of get an idea of what uh, what movies we're interested in, what movies we're probably going to be covering on our sites and on our podcast. Um, over the next couple of weeks. So um, if you don't already subscribe to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, if you will take just a minute, search it up, hit that little subscribe button, and uh, share it with your friends. Um, Usually the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast is Matt and I reviewing a new film or films from a week uh, or a month, depending on, you know, what's going on. Um, In this episode, we are talking about the movies we're looking forward to watching from uh, the Fantasia International Film Festival a uh, big thanks to the festival for giving us press credentials. Um, we're really excited about some of the movies that they are going to have, and we're looking forward to uh, sharing our thoughts with our readers and listeners. So um, without any further ado, here is the special bonus episode where Matt and I are going to preview um, the movies of the festival. This episode, uh, we're doing something slightly different. We are actually going to be re- uh, previewing the upcoming Fantasia International Film Festival uh, John and myself have been lucky enough to have been uh, accredited with press credentials, so we've been checking out a lot of these films early. We're not going to be speaking necessarily about the films in depth because there's that little thing called an embargo. But uh, it, I was dead pleased to be able to get to cover these films for Fantasia, and uh, as far as I'm aware, so are you, John. Very much. Um, I've I've gotten to cover a few festivals over the years uh, since starting Burke Reviews, and... Um, you know, uh, normally I'm limited to location, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I can't always afford to travel far away. Uh, the first festival I ever got to go to was the Florida Film Festival, which is about an hour from where I live. But um, going to one based out of Quebec, for example, has always been a dream, but impossible. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is the one positive of uh, having a pandemic is that uh, all these film festivals have gone online this year. Um, and so movies that I would never have got to see this year suddenly have become open to us because of all these digital festivals and uh listener if you didn't know this was happening this is i think the fourth online festival that i've encountered so far in fact the florida film festival right now is online um and i i've i partook in in the i think it was the japanese film festival and a uh little cambodia festival i i rented some movies from there um it's it's a it's cheaper than a lot of the uh theater rentals like it's usually i've seen the prices fluctuate from like seven to fifteen dollars to rent a movie depending on the the festival and depending on the movie 
Um, but there are, uh, there's opportunities afoot that we wouldn't have had. I mean, look, you're in, you're in England. How could you possibly have done this without spending a lot of money to travel over here? Plus then getting, you know, hotel and all of that. So if we're going to look at the silver lining of a pandemic, it's that we can watch movies that we otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to see for a long time until these films get distribution. I know that like movies I saw at Tribeca last year in 2019 are just now starting to get uh, VOD access to everybody else. So I saw them a year ago and people are just seeing like Swallow or uh, Buffaloed. And uh, there's a couple other films from last year's Tribeca that are finally creeping out onto the, the, the VOD services. Um, so this is an advantage for the world. Now you can suddenly see all these great independent films, all these uh, art house style films, some, you know, very innovative documentaries, just it opens up the world to online film. And I, I think this is a kind of cool thing. I love going to a festival, mm-hmm. but I also love the opportunity for people to get to see these movies quicker. Cause I mean, you got to think filmmakers want to make money for their movie for sure. Right. Like that. It's how they're going to be able to make their next movie. It's how they make their name. Right. But it's also, they want people to see the movie. Like that's the goal. And so here's an opportunity where a movie maybe would have only had 50 people at a festival now the world could see it if they know about it. So we're going to talk about some of these movies and hopefully uh, you'll go to the website and you'll rent one of some of these films and you'll let us know what you think about them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I would love to, I, I wouldn't be worried about the, the flight accommodation and festival uh, prices. If I went to Quebec, it'd be more how much I was going to spend on the wonderful food up there. How right. much I was going to spend checking out the NHL games um, as, and the beer, of course. Um, but no, it, as I've mentioned on socials, you know, Fantasia have done a great job in not limiting what they're putting out. Everything in their festival is going to be going out to to the public uh, and to us guys as well for the most part. But the public's getting everything. It's not a day lot diluted um, offering. And we've seen things like Comic Con at home, you know, respect mm-hmm. for getting something out. It wasn't yeah. great, unfortunately. It wasn't what they would have wanted. Right. And I'll say the same about Tribeca this year. They, they, you know, the, the lockdowns kind of happen right about when Tribeca usually starts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they did the best they could to get an online festival established. And I want to give them credit there. It wasn't like they had time to do it. It was a who who's willing to let this happen. What's the model? What is it going to look like? And so I think now we're a few months into this and we're starting to see uh, more and more festivals doing this. Um, and this one feels really tight so far. I'm curious. Tiff is coming up soon. I'm curious to see how that one's going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, is Sundance going to be online too in January? It's, it's probable. So it opens up the door, doesn't it? The, it can, it, can it set a precedent if it does well, or if more people flock to these things and potentially would do? Can can this be opened up a little bit more in the future? Of course, nothing like the like the theater experience. Nothing's going to beat being at the festival for the buzz and the opportunities, but and the so big far, screen and the big screen and the popcorn but so far fantasia have like you say they've kept it tight and they've given john and myself the opportunity in which we've been we've been podding now for two and a half years together and, I, and i've watched from afar as jb's gone to tribeca and um south by southwest and thinking you know what i fancy some of that so now we can actually together put these shows out we are off air we are whatsapping each other all the time have you got this film let's let's see, let's watch this film you know, we are, as well as uh, Big Tuna, our, our buddy of the show, who we're going to mention shortly, co- you know, collaborating on a film festival from across the pond digitally, which as film fans and f- uh, movie uh, film critics, it's perfect for, and as podcasters, it's perfect for us. So it allows myself and John the opportunity now to 
to collaborate together on something like this. So it's um, so I'm grateful for that opportunity. And I know we've been having a damn good time doing it. But like John said, if you want to go to that website, it's fantasiafestival.com. All one word, fantasiafestival.com. And the festival runs from Thursday the 20th of August 2020 to Wednesday the 2nd of September 2020. So you've got two weeks uh, there. Go to the website. They're going to be dropping the dates and times of when these films are available and then all the details you need to know. But Thursday, the 20th of August, it all kicks off. And this is the 24th edition of the festival. And like, it's almost like who's been there before is like a who's who of the Hollywood talent who's been to this festival. And like we said, it's it's not just one genre. It is a plethora of countries, genres, directors, filmmakers who are represented in this um, in this festival. And that's certainly something we kind of feel like we've got in our in our preview episode here. So we've picked three films each, myself and John, which we were very intrigued by for varying reasons. And friend of the show, Sean, Big Tuna, he also recommended three films as well. And his ones we're going to start off with. So we've got nine films which caught our eye to start with. And of course, when the embargo lifts, you'll be able to see if they lived up to our expectations or if they were a bit disappointing. And again, as we do on the BAMP, this is going to, all of this is going to be non-spoiler. We're not talking about the film, anything to do with the film other than the synopsis presented by Fantasia. But when the reviews do drop, John and myself, we will always be honest. We'll never sugarcoat our opinions because, you know, we've been given the option, uh, the ability to watch these films earlier. If we don't like it, we're going to say that. We're just thankfully very, very uh, eloquent in how we word our criticism. So John, should we get into the actual previews then? Pretty much. Um, bef- just before we do that, I, mm-hmm. I just want to, um, if you didn't catch what Matt basically hinted at here, is our next couple of episodes are going to be the reviews of films that we've watched from Woo-hoo. the festival. Um, so if you want to stay up with what we're talking about, again, all of our reviews will be spoiler free. Yep. But every movie we talk about for at least the next two, maybe three episodes are going to be from this festival. So check out again the website that Matt said, uh, fantasiafestival.com. Um, just to make sure spelling is a, a clear F A N T A S I A festival.com. Um, and that this episode is strictly preview. We are not giving our opinions on any of the films. Um, we are just giving the details, what it is, and then what it was about the films that made us pick them over all of the other films at the festival. Cause we have, it's quite an extensive list of movies to check out at this festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're not talking about, all of them, yeah. Uh, we we couldn't possibly talk about all of them in it, in any kind of meaningful way. So we've picked uh, three each, as Matt said, and then the three that Big Tuna started us off with, and we'll start with that. So Big Tuna's first recommendation to us was Lapsus. Uh, it is from the it's a USA film, it's an American film, um, directed by Noah Hutton and written by Noah Hutton. Uh, cast is Dean Imperial, uh, Madeline Wise, and Babe Howard. I think of those three, Madeline Wise is the only one who has been in some stuff. I think, I think uh, this was Dean Imperial's. I think it was his debut. Yeah, um, I, at least feature film debut, if not yes, maybe yeah, like yeah. something else. But um, the synopsis of the movie is in a parallel present. I love that phrasing, by the way. Uh, delivery man Ray Tincelli is struggling to support himself and his ailing younger brother. After a series of two-bit hustles and unsuccessful swindles, Ray takes a job in a strange new realm of the gig economy. Trekking deep into the forest, pulling cable over miles of terrain to connect large metal cubes that link together the new quantum trading market. As he gets pulled deeper into the zone, he encounters growing hostility and the threat of robot cablers. 
and must choose to either help his fellow workers or to get rich and get out. And again, so these with the other movies that we picked ourselves, we'll kind of talk about what drew us in here is if you haven't checked out Big Tuna um, or Big Tuna on films on Twitter um, or his website, Disappointment Media, uh, do so. so. Um, He is he's watched so many movies from this year, like more so than I even knew existed from this year, because this year feels like there's no movies because we can't go to the theater. Right, All the stuff we were really looking forward to has been delayed inevitably. Um, for the most part, few exceptions, but, mm-hmm. uh, he has, uh, been hitting up, you know, screeners and festivals and he has seen so many things. So when he recommends something from 2020, um, or some of these movies may have been at another festival earlier, like in 2019, um, if he's recommending it, I'm taking his word for it. And so these were the three that he immediately was like, you have to watch these movies. And so that's why these were picked. So that's lapsus, uh, big tuna's first recommendation. What's the second, Matt? Uh, so that was Lapsus, I say, a mystery sci-fi film. The second one from Big Tuna is a Japanese offering. It's called Crazy Samurai Musashi, and it's directed by uh, Yuji Shimomura, who I believe is a stunt coordinator in uh, his other job. He's uh, it's written by Sion Sono, and it stars, well, I mean, the cast is Tak Sakaguchi. That's basically the cast. Also, Masaki Takarai and um, Akihiko Sai. And the synopsis reads, this film, taken around the time of Out and Deluxe, consists of the most famous battle of the swordsman, Miyamoto Musashi. In this 77-minute, one-scene, no-cut action sequence, Miyamoto, played by uh, Tak Sakaguchi, uh, defeats 588 enemies one after the other. There is no room for error, no room for corny or unconvincing moves. Now, reminder, that isn't a spoiler necessarily. It's, that's the synopsis. It's a, it's a take on... The legendary uh, samurai, Miyamoto Musashi, there's so many legends about this guy. Go and Google it. Um, you may even recognize some of the artwork, the ancient artwork of Musashi. But um, yeah, this is a, it's an action film, but it has got the the novelty or the gimmick, one might say, or the, technolo- the technical achievement of having a monster 77-minute, one-scene, no-cut action sequence, which is an um, incredible achievement in any film. So that was an interesting draw for a synopsis. And to be fair, had I seen that myself in a synopsis, I probably would have wanted to check it out just to see how it plays out. But yeah, Shimomura hits his take on the legendary tale of Musashi. So Big Tuna, that's his second offering. And what about number three? So I, I'm not 100% how we're supposed to say this title, but I, I think it's I Weirdo. Mm-hmm. But I want to point out that it's the D-O in Weirdo are capitalized in most of the marketing material. So I don't know if it's supposed to be I Weirdo or, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it why capitalize it's like it? It's I do, isn't play? it? Like the whole marriage play. Right. So like it's I Weirdo though. Uh, and it's from Taiwan, directed and written by Ming Yi Lao, starring Nikki uh, uh, Shai? I'm going to go for Sia. Like, Sorry, uh, Nikki, Sia, for listening. Sia. Yes. And uh, uh, Po Hung Lin who are pretty much the only two actors in the film um, based on the, like the cast list and a boy and girl. Uh, he poaching suffers from an obsessive compulsive disorder that forces him to constantly wash his hands. She Ching suffers from an obsessive compulsive disorder that forces her to cover herself up from head to toe as though she's trying to survive germ warfare for society at large. They're just a couple of weirdos, but for fate, they're soulmates who sooner or later are destined to meet. And when they do, it sets in motion a bizarre, sentimental short circuit. 
Tuna recommended this one, um, so it was a no no hesitation. You know, boom, here it is. It's on the list. Uh, and now we get into where Matt and I picked. We each picked three movies. And um, if you've been paying attention to our podcast, whether the Bloody Awesome or our individual podcast that we've done, Matt and I like a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But Matt is definitely more horror-oriented. And I am very uh, rom-com oriented. That seems to be my the genre of my choice, Together which I didn't looks. realize. Yeah, and it meshes. But sometimes uh, our tastes definitely are going to be drawn to a variety of film styles. Um, and I think I think you'll see that a little bit in our selection. So, Matt, why don't you start us off? What was your first pick? I, I shouted. And actually, upon looking at my three picks, I was like, oh, man, there is like a, a common thread in this, which I hadn't actually realized when I was picking the films. But... Uh, a lot of the other ones I've picked have been different. But the first one I've picked was a film. And again, excuse my pronunciation on this. It's um, Kriya or Kriya, K-R-I-Y-A. And it's an Indian film. It's an Indian horror film. Um, so the details, it's written and directed by Siddharth uh, Srinivasan. And it stars Avantika Akerkar, M.D. Asif and Kishan, Bah- Kishan Baharapia. And the synopsis reads, a DJ encounters a beautiful woman at a club, goes back to her home and finds himself thrust into a nightmare odyssey of ritual magic, patriarchal death customs and family conflict most unusual. So uh, why did I pick this? Mainly for that final statement, family conflict, most unusual. Very well written. that. (laughs) But I picked it mainly because... Um, yes, I do. I, I I love horror films for for my sins. I really do enjoy a, a good horror film, and I'm usually drawn to those. Though there are other genres I'll lean to, but I picked it because I've never seen an Indian horror film before. I've seen plenty from other countries, but never India. So I wanted to see what um, horror in the hands of a, a person from a country I had never seen a, a genre film from came across. And you know, would it translate well to? somebody like me who loves horror films, would I be able to pick up on the nuances? Would I, is it going to be to my taste? Is it going to be above and beyond what I think? Cause there's a lot of horror films from other countries, which blow a lot of the mainstream stuff out of the water because they, they go there, they go places, which a lot of Hollywood films are prepared to go to. So that was part of the reason why I picked this film. So I wanted to see if, if Siddharth himself could go some places. And as well as that, it's the use of rituals and religion as a key part of the story intrigues me, but it was actual uh, rituals. We all know I love the exorcist and exorcism. It is a you know real uh, ritual. It's a real passage, but I loved the idea that the director wanted to take a ritual, which was in the, is out there, you know, it was in the religion, in his religion, but he wanted to turn it on his head. His, you know, the director himself has said that he wanted to do something with it, which, you know, takes a different, approach to what is the norm not necessarily to shake things up a bit but you know to uh, open if open some eyes so an eye-opening horror film from a country which i'd never experienced horror from using rich religious rituals and of course religion sign me up do you know what i mean it's it's got all the ingredients that i would like to see from a film like this uh from a synopsis like this sorry so yep kriya or Kriya was my first pick and before I, I say my first pick, I will point out, I mentioned the, the genre thing. I, I don't dislike horror. I tend to be harsher on horror than a lot of people. Um, I guess my, my expectations of what a horror movie should do is, is very, or I guess what works for me in horror is very narrow. So I don't like as much of it as 
other people and some of the classic horror i don't click with so it's not that i don't like the genre i do like the genre of course yeah i'm just very very picky well you know there are some people who are like averse to horror like oh it's too scary like that's not my issue with it um not to say i don't get scared i'm not i'm not one of those people either like i want to be scared in a horror movie because i feel like that's what a horror movie should be doing to me right like like i want to laugh a comedy exactly right um but my first pick uh, is called the columnist. Columnist, sorry if I mispronounce that. I shouldn't because it's a. It's from the Netherlands, uh, directed by Ivo van Art, uh, and written by Don Windhorst. Uh, I'm sure I got those perfect. Uh, Genio de Groot, Kaja Herbers, and Rain Hoffman. I do feel like I nailed those. By the you way, did do well with those. Uh, the synopsis is what definitely grabbed me, though. I don't know any of these actors. I'm not familiar with this director. Katie Hypers is in Westworld fairly prominent part ah, of that as well Who's I, i've yet to watch westworld there you go it's on the it's on the list um but it's way down there uh no offense to it i just <laughs> i don't do a lot of tv as as listeners probably know um but fancy a bit of mindless cyberbullying and trolling question mark um be careful who you pick though uh as the victim chosen may uh the victim chosen may decide to fight back and before you know it you might be fighting for your life Newspaper columnist and writers blocked uh, writers blocked author Femke Boot, um, who was in Westworld, uh, as you mentioned, is suddenly flooded with anonymous nasty messages and death threats on her social media pages. Who is responsible and why are they doing it? When she finds out her revenge is swift and unfortunately deadly, and her mission in life becomes crystal clear. A heightened reality, shockingly fun, pitch black comedy of manners. So... <laughs> I had mentioned with the genre thing that rom-coms were like my go-to and that's not untrue. It is a genre that I tend to latch onto and love, but I also have some uh, boxes that get checked pretty quickly. I love movies about journalists. So here we have a columnist. So right away I'm like, Oh, intriguing. Um, I love dark comedy, uh, which isn't always on my list of things because it's not something you want to brag about. Like, Hey, I love, you know, messed up comedy jokes. That would make (laughs) me laugh. But it is something that I tend to uh, – I'm a big Yorgos Lanthimos fan, if that gives any indication. Um, you know, His movies are often dark, but they're funny at the same time. And music, which is not relevant here, but m- movies about musicians because of my background and movies about teachers because, again, my background, those often work for me. So I saw a journalist and I was – or I saw a columnist, which is a type of journalist, um, and was immediately like, okay, I'm intrigued. And then the black comedy of manners, I'm like, all right, this sounds like something I should definitely watch. And so that's what drew me to it, what made me uh, select this for our preview show, because those things are, again, if a move, there's not, to me, there's not enough movies about journalists, um, because I went to school to be a journalist. Technically, we are journalists as film critics. Some might say no, but technically speaking, we are. Um, the only difference is we admit that we have bias. Haha. <laughs> and, um, and again, I, I'm a fan of uh, dark comedy, so I wanted to check out uh, what this one was. I mean, the movie uh, is laid out pretty flat here what it's going to be. Um, there's no question. Uh, I don't think it's the best written synopsis, to be honest. But uh, it had the it had elements that worked for me and made me want to give it a go. So it's why I chose it to be discussed on this episode. I wonder what influenced the, uh, the events of that film. I wonder. Um, no, good shout, my friend. Uh, so my second pick is uh, is another Taiwanese film, and it's called Detention, directed by John Su, uh, written by Shi Keng Chen and Lyra Fu, uh, and it stars Gingle Wang, Meng Po Fu, and uh, Jing Hua Seng. And the synopsis reads: Set in Taiwan during the White Terror period of martial law, a high school girl who awakens in an empty school, only to find that her entire community 
has been abandoned except for one other student. Soon they realise that they've entered a realm filled with vengeful spirits and hungry ghosts. Right. I mean, basically, it's just, just from hearing that, I was like, right, so, so it's in a period of history, which is, I don't think it's often spoken about, but it's bloody awful. It's The White Terror was basically a time in Taiwan where political writings and books, which especially left-leaning ones, were prohibited, and if you were seen to be indulging in them, you can be arrested for treason or killed, murdered, and a lot of people were. So it was a bad time in Taiwan. So we've got a horror film or a thriller film, mystery horror thriller set against that backdrop. And then you're entering a realm filled with spirits and ghosts, like some sort of like Silent Hill type thing. I'm thinking I'm all over that. Then I find out that it's based on a, a video game. It's um, based on 2017's Detention from uh, Red Candle Games. So now we've got a video game adaptation in it. I was like, well, maybe we can get a decent one. Maybe maybe the Taiwanese can crack how to make a good one. Tomb Raider was quite good. So horror against the background of these uh, socio-political issues um, and bad issues offered an interesting premise. So for this one, for me, it was almost less about the horror and more about, you know, how can they, how was, um, how is Sue going to merge real life, a real life, like tragic period of time with vengeful spirits and hungry ghosts how's that going to work plus it's a video game adaptation so there is that as well so there was a few variables which came together here which made me quite interested in this so how does he handle the political aspect of it and horror is it heavy-handed is it going to be are they going to make light of the situation is the horror going to be overdone or oh that's what got me basically just reading that synopsis and i think it is a fairly well-written synopsis so Again, it is a horror-inflected film. Sorry, guys, I hadn't realised. But that it's, it sold me. So, um, yeah, Detention. High hopes for that one. But did you know that was a video game, by the way? Because you're more of a gamer than I am. I, I didn't. Um, I uh, While you were talking, I started looking it up. It is apparently available on um, PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. Um, and then on PC, it's like on the Steam Store. I don't game, know if it's on Xbox. It's like a very stylized it, game. It's, it looks like a side-scroller uh, adventure. It's definitely like an indie game, it looks mm-hmm. like. Um, yeah, it's a 2D atmospheric horror uh, side-scroller. Um, but it, it definitely has the same plot. I'm I'm intrigued now. Uh, maybe a movie and a game to check out, <laughs> thanks to this uh, this pick. Um, How did you stumble up across it being a game? Did it mention it in on the site? Uh, no, well, I, I was looking at the synopsis, the synopsi, should we call it, the synopsis of all of these films. And... Um, it just I just happened to see it on on Google basically because I, I I'm not going to attest to say I've 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 heard of any of these or many of these films certainly not detention I hadn't heard of it until the until the list of offerings came through so just looking looking at the synopsis like well it just caught my eye that it was a video game and then I looked at the video game and I thought well I've never heard of it so I wasn't going in thinking right this is based on a IP I've heard of it's not like a Resident Evil or a Silent Hill reboot or something else. It's a game I've never heard of, so I haven't got any preconceptions going in of what it should be like. But I'd be interested if any of you guys out there have played Detention or heard of it, if you have any idea of what you might expect going into it, if it may taint or, or heighten your expectations. Yeah, uh, and again, that's um, a big hurdle for any film to uh, ju- get over, right? Is If you're a video game adaptation, there is that predisposition that it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Many video game movies have failed, uh, and you know, and some would argue that they there's been a couple of good ones. Um, Sonic 
some people really, really liked Sonic. I thought Sonic was mediocre. Um, but, you know, um, those people who liked it. So I, that's a cool little caveat. And I wonder there, I wonder what the stat is for uh, video game-inspired movies at film festivals. Because that cannot be a high number, right? It's got to be, like, Good super show. low. I mean, again, I don't know. I don't know how how well known of a property or game that if it's got like cult status or not, or if they can kind of they wouldn't slip it under the radar because they've mentioned you know it's a it's a video game adaptation, but it's not like seeing a you know Silent Hill three just turning up was like well, like, right, would that right. get picked maybe, but something like this I think it's also because of the way the synopsis reads as a socio political thriller. There's that aspect as well. If they ever do make the Last of Us movie, I hope they go indie. Uh, to be honest, like I think an indie version of that movie would be way cooler than like a big blockbuster budget because I feel like they would go way too into the monster side of it and not into the human side that an indie film would take on that because mm-hmm. that's what's so great about that game uh, franchise is the character and so yeah, yeah. it's a story um, of the character. Yeah, love to see that develop as more of an indie film with us like horror atmosphere, kind of like Maggie. I don't know if you ever saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, is I never Chloe did know. Um, man, that movie is underrated. Uh, but again, it's a slow burn kind of zombie movie. So it's it's not like a. It's more of like it's more what I'm describing as like a Last of Us. You know, yes, there are monsters out there, but it's more on the periphery. You're more inside with these characters, and uh, that's what it's one of Arnold's best performances in years too. I gotta say, uh, he's he's at the top of his game. But we're not here to talk about movies that have existed for a while. Let's get to our next uh, preview. Um, I selected Fried Berry, and the, to what be clear, I said that name to somebody, and they thought I said Berry, like a like a straw berry. This is Berry, like the name, uh, like Barry Allen, the Flash, that um, Florida accent, A R R Y. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Um, this is a South African film, uh, written and directed by Ryan Kruger. Um, the cast: uh, Carrie Green, Gary, excuse me, wow, uh, Gary Green. Brett Williams, and Joey Kramer. Um, Synopsis. Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who, after yet another bender, is abducted by aliens. That's the curveball, right? Like, I love... uh, That was pretty much what pulled me in, though, was that first sentence. I'm like, all right. Um, Barry takes a backseat as an alien visitor, assumes control of his body, and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex, and violence as our alien Taurus enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Fried Berry is based upon the short film of the same name, which earned 57 official selections and 12 wins at festivals around the world. Um, I knew nothing of the short film, which is uh, a little disappointing for me because um, in the past, I was really fortunate to find Lights Out early in its uh, run, right? Like I, I saw it and I was like, this is a great example for my students to see like what you can do uh, with a short film, like how you can craft this really great atmosphere with almost no, no real challenging visuals, simple set, simple cast, um, but have this really impactful movie. And then uh, when the feature film came out, I was like, Hey, is this from the short? I had no clue. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. This, this guy, uh, Sandberg got to make his short into a feature film. And then, Oh, he gets to make this Annabelle sequel? That's really cool. That means he's progressing. Oh, he made Shazam? Like, I've watched that dude's career, and I I feel like I'm a part of it because I found his short early. I wish I'd seen the short for Fried Berry, and that's what pulled me in. Unfortunately, what pulled me in was that first sentence because I'm just like, okay, so this guy is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who gets abducted by aliens? Like, that right away. I'm just like, that's such a unique premise. 
I'm on board. Let's let's check this movie out. So that's what uh, made me select it. Very simple. The synopsis did its job. I'm glad you picked that because for somebody who occasionally stumbles over his R's, Fried Barry from South Africa by Ryan Kruger is quite and Gary Green is quite a lot to get out through of all those R's, but. Uh, and you just did it. <laughs> I did just about fried was a bit tough, but Barry B A R R Y. But mate, honestly, looking at that, the synopsis is wild. Uh, I imagine a film is as well. But Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who, after another bend, is abducted by aliens. Like, right, okay, that's probably all you need to know about the film. There, he's it's it's, it's, a, it's a drug trip. The guy's probably not very nice. Aliens, right? I, I I can already imagine it, and I'm sure those listening can. But by looks of it, that short. 57 official selections, 12 wins. It's The short seems to be fairly well received as well. And I'm not um, an aficionado of South African film. Um, I'd like to watch more South African films. So this is a good start. And Ryan Kruger, what a great name uh, for as well. Just, just off the cuff there. Great name. Well, I will say as far as my South African film, uh, I, I've seen District 9, Obviously, which is awesome. Yep. I've seen most of Elysium, which is not mm, so good, not so but good. not horrible i could not even make it through like the first 20 minutes of chappy i've seen enough of it and i've seen the these actually i think i did watch all of it i can't i've seen enough of it to know that i can't ever sit through it um it's a bit if naff. you're not familiar die antwood that's all you need to do is look up die antwood uh if they if you like them then probably check out chappy you might like it uh but th- that's pretty much to my knowledge my extensive film uh knowledge of South Africa, like those three films, all by uh, Neil Blomkamp, um, and yeah. So this was this will be a new uh, a new you know filmmaker from that area. So I'm curious if there's anything connection or not. But. Yep, and if you are, uh, if you can, just let your brother Freddie know that you know I'm a big fan of your work. And my, my final choice was a Canadian flick. So keeping it real with Fantasia, I'm going back home, Canada, and it's a film called Bleed with Me. Directed by Amelia Moses and written by Amelia Moses. Uh, and it stars Lee Marshall, Lauren Beatty, and Aris Tyros, who isn't from Game of Thrones. It's a real name, Aris Tyros. And the synopsis read During a winter getaway at an isolated cabin, a self destructive young woman becomes convinced that her best friend is stealing her blood. Like a similar to Fried Barry. This one, whereas that's got a long synopsis, this, this got me in the first like, two lines. Winter getaway, check. Love love a bit of snowy setting. Isolated cabin, okay, I'm fine with that. A self-destructive young woman becomes convinced, what, what's going to happen? That her friend is stealing her blood. Didn't see that coming. So that's why I picked it. Again, I know, again, it's got that horror tinge to it, and I apologise. But I, I, the oh, synopsis God. for me is, is tantalising. It doesn't need to be long and drawn out. You know, I, I now know exactly what I'm getting. I'm getting a cabin in the woods story with... Um, apparently someone's going to be stealing somebody's blood. Why? Who knows? That's why we're going to be watching the film for. Is she a vampire? Is she a serial killer? Is she mad? Is she a scientist? I mean, why? And that a good synopsis for me needs to get you asking questions. Of course, it needs to heighten your expectation or excitement, but it needs to kind of have you sitting there thinking, you know what? Okay, why? Same with the fried berry one. I mean, how, like, how's that going to work? Same for this. Not how's it going to work, but why is she stealing the blood? So... Short and sweet, basically. I saw an isolated cabin. That springs to mind many great horror films. But um, the idea that a self-destructive young woman, so there's obviously some sort of, um, there's going to be a mental health issue side to this, I imagine. And then she's convinced her friend's stealing her blood. So 
I'm that yeah, very simple for me. So why is she stealing her blood, John? Why would she do that? That sir is a good question. Um, I, I mean, if I had seen that one, I probably would have picked it based on that too, because it is an interesting. And it's not even why is she stealing her blood, but why is she convinced of that? You know, like what is like because that implies she's not sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, but she has a suspicion. So, like, what what's happening to make you uh, believe that? You know, so that it's an intriguing premise at the uh, on its surface for sure. So, fingers crossed, Amelia Moses. My expectations are high. Well, my last film is a, a United States film, which I did not pick for that reason. Although I guess it's implied by the name because the name of the movie is Dinner in America. Now, I'm going to start with what initially drew me to this film mm-hmm. is one. I like food movies, but I really like food documentaries. Like food. And so, <laughs> uh, right, that's where it comes from. Um, I assumed that this might be a documentary, <laughs> but. I realize it's not, and it's directed and written by. Uh, this is a pattern too. If you've noticed, most of I think all of these films that we picked, except for Detention, a few, yeah. oh no, and The Columnist. Uh, every other film has the same writer director, except for those two films. But uh, it's Adam Raymeyer. Uh, the cast is Kyle Gallner, um, Emily Skeggs, and Mary Anderson. Now, of all of the picks that we have, this is the first time where I actually know two of the cast members, not personally. But from other movies, um, Kyle Gallner uh, is in a, a terrific movie called um, Band of Robbers, which a lot of people didn't see and should go back to. It is a modern retelling of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Um, it is such a cool movie, and I was a big fan of him. He is Huck in that movie. Um, but it also has Hannibal Burris, who if you have not seen in a movie, you definitely need to check out. He's hilarious. Um, Emily Skeggs, I, I got to see uh, at Tribeca two years ago, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Yeah. And the entire cast was uh, there even. So I actually was in the same room with Emily Skeggs. Uh, and uh, I didn't initially remember her performance. Um, but once I saw uh, like a picture of her, I started, oh, yeah, okay. I remember who she was in, in that movie. And then um, this movie also has uh, some big producer credits. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ben Stiller he is, is one producer, of them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a movie i saw earlier this year called banana split remember i talked to you yep. about it you thought it was a horror movie called the banana <laughs> That's split. Right, yeah. i'm slightly confused and, uh that movie is uh i believe written by and stars um i'm trying to get her name kyle gorner was also in a nightmare on elm street remake so bear that in mind guys and he's in like american sniper though like he's in a, he's, he's, in a he's done some stuff emily skiggs yeah, now like, you mentioned cameron post it makes sense because i've seen the name and the face and i'm where have I seen her from? I generally I've I've seen you, but I just have no idea where from. So I'm so glad that you've uh, you've actually managed to fill that area of my brain in now with uh, Cameron Post. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Dinner in America. While I'm looking up that other name of the the person from Banana Split, um, who's a producer on this film and also a small part in this movie, the synopsis is an on the lamb punk rocker. And a young woman obsessed with his band unexpectedly fall in love and go on an epic journey together through America's decaying Midwestern suburbs. I mentioned my uh, fiction towards music-related movies. So a punk rocker, I'm like, okay, interesting. And then an obsessed uh, you know, fan, like I'm like, well, this is just a really sa- cool-sounding premise. I'm on board. Let's see what it is. Um, so that's why I chose it. I, it's, it's right up my alley again with the, the music. And... Um, the fact that it's they 
it says that they unexpectedly fall in love has that rom-com vibe to it so again i mentioned that too uh it's it's just it fits my uh my taste so i chose it for my option potentially a rom-com with a a punk rock aesthetic is is pretty cool uh again same as you i'm, I'm big on music i've always been a, a music man and a musician too just like yourself and this would have uh warmed to me as well and also again for the cast and the names behind it as well and of course having big name producers doesn't always mean you're gonna have a great film sure. but it certainly helps do you know what I mean? Uh, if you can get the backing of people like that, and it's you know like the, the the synopsis, like the last film, um, bleed with me. Synopsis is to the point; it doesn't need to waffle. It's to the point. You can get an idea of what it's going to be about, and I can see what for the varying reasons you just gave. I can see exactly why he, you picked this film. Mm-hmm. And Hannah Marks was the other name. Uh, she's Marks. writer and star of Banana Split, and is a producer and a very small uh, role, my understanding, in this movie. Um, but she is in this movie. So, uh, you know, the, those things all added together for me to choose this as one of my uh, three to talk about. Yep. So there are major three, the ones that caught our eye on first look and uh, big tuners right off the top as well. Uh, the main man himself. So there's nine films that uh, together, the trifecta of us three have managed to pull together. Now, again, we've picked these films based on gut feeling, on synopsis, on who's back in it, who's behind it, who's in it or who's directing it, doesn't mean they're going to be any good. So, disclaimer, if they're rubbish, blame Big Tuna, just because he's not on the show now. But, um, there was a couple of other films we want to chuck out as well, just like the names and maybe a quick reason why, but we picked, because again, we've mentioned Fantasia covers so much, so many genres, and there is so much on offer that it almost feels like just picking nine doesn't give justice to what the festival is offering. So, I mean... One of the ones I wanted, I wanted to chuck out, which I'm checking out soon, is it's called A Mermaid in Paris. Um, it's a fantasy melodrama. A man rescues a mermaid in Paris, funny, and slowly falls in love with her. Okay, sounds good. We had a film recently, The Shape of Water. Not necessarily the same synopsis, but I read that and thought about that film, and I wasn't a big fan of The Shape of Water. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a sucker. I love Paris. I think it's a lovely place. A mermaid in Paris sounds like a beautiful fantasy, so... I'm going to check that one out. I love The Shape of Water, so I'm I'm on board for that one too. Um, I, it's interesting because movies will do what we call like the festival circuit, so they might um, be on multiple festivals. So mm-hmm. there are a few movies here that I've seen at other festivals from this year, mm-hmm. um, including one that I think you had your eye on, 12-Hour Shift, yes. uh, which I saw at Tribeca, um, like the online Tribeca. And um, I won't say whether I liked it or not, because I, I, even though technically – I can talk about because it, it was from another festival. It's at this festival. I don't want to give like a review kind of thing, just in case, just to cover our ground. But um, it, it's uh, an interesting premise um, as it is a, a dark. It, it's more horror than comedy, but there's definitely some humor in it. It, it make it's going for laughs. And so I, again, I'm a fan of that type of thing. So easy to, to throw that name out there and be like, Hey, that's one worth looking into. Another one was one called beauty water. It's a Korean animated film. Basically, it's about keeping up the struggles of looking damn good in the beauty industry. But um, it's a it's a horror thriller animated film. I know I've just said about widening the scope, but this one looks interesting, and it's an animated offering. So, um, Korea it's a Korean film, Beauty Water. So I'm going to be checking that one out. Yeah, um, I'm trying to like. There's um, 
I'm looking through the website, like trying to find it's, it's, there's so many movies available and some of these are shorts and that makes it even more challenging, um, mm-hmm. to, to filter out here. But, uh, there's, um, uh, Oh, what's the clapboard jungle? That's Guillermo del Toro in the picture. Um, but, uh, the one that I was really intrigued by, um, that caught my eye was, uh, the reckoning. Mm. Um, and I don't, distinctively remember why but i remember like when i was reading through the synopsis and trying to pick my three to talk about uh that was one that had caught my attention so it's one i'm going to be looking into uh yeah the record and i'm very much looking forward to that um i another one my look of is it's a film called mary go round all one word mary is in the name m-a-r-y mary go round it's a polish black comedy about a lady called mary she's about to turn 50 and she's an agnostic collector of virgin mary statues and um, she meets a woman and things sparks fly, basically. And it, it just based on that synopsis of Mary herself, like, okay, this this could be fun. And then throwing in another woman in, in, into the dynamic and how she's going to deal with that. That's that. So I want to watch that to see if that is as funny as I hope it's going to be. But that's a Polish film called Mary Go Round. Yeah, um, I have... Uh... A, an animated film that I'm really interested in, a costume for Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, the animated genre is one that I've become more of a fan of uh, recently, like in the last couple of years, especially after I watched a lot of Studio Ghibli films. Um, I'm, I've always been a Pixar fan, but um, I, I'm trying to branch out a little bit. So the fact that it is a, um, I believe it is a Mexican film. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm intrigued by it and I want to check it out. And um, another film that uh, me and John had, both kind of earmarked was a film called Under Gods, which is a uh, in, in terms of origin, it's it's a Belgian, Estonian, Swedish, Serbian, and United Kingdom feature film. So it's got a lot of input from different countries, and it's a, a another worldly journey through a Europe in decline. It's darkly humorous fantasy tales about characters and uh, ill-fated characters and their tragic misadventures. That sounds bloody interesting, and I was very interested to note that John himself had his eye on that one. Yeah, it, it uh, it's caught my attention. Um, I just saw a documentary that I'm intrigued by. Um, it's called hail to the deadites. Yeah. Uh, it's a documentary about the fans of the evil dead fans. Um, and I am a fan of the evil dead one and two for sure. And Bruce Campbell all the way. Um, Ash is awesome. So I'm kind of intrigued by that documentary and I do like documentaries. Um, I've become a bigger fan of docs over the last couple of years too. So it's, that one's really on my radar now. Uh, and one of the last ones I got was uh, off the top of my head or top of it. It's, it's a film called Sleep. It's a German film. Guess what genre? Sorry. But um, it's basically the synopsis reads a never ending tangle of family trauma unravels through an echo chamber of national shame in the ambitious psychological thriller. Uh, Sleep. But, uh, it's got, influences from the brothers Grimm to date a david lynch nightmare and apparently it's a challenging horror that tackles the ghosts of germany's pasts past um uh, so i can obviously assume what they're hinting at there so that could either be wildly ambitious and great or wildly ambitious and a bit rubbish so i'm interested in that plus again i i watched a but i think it's called berlin syndrome um a couple of years ago which was ba- a, 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 a thriller based in germany it wasn't a german film and I very much enjoyed that. So I'm hoping to get similar um, vibes from that film. So, um, yeah, sleep. And the last one I will reference mm-hmm. is uh, Special Actors. Um, if There's this really great horror movie called One Cut of the Dead. 
yeah. um, that is on Shutter. If you have access to it, it is a zombie film where I believe it's a 30 minute uh, one take, no cuts um, sequence. And for a zombie movie to pull that off, that's a challenge right mm-hmm. away. But um, I, I was really into that movie when I got to see it about a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, and this was the director's follow-up, uh, special actors. And so that's what caught my eyes. I, I really liked one cut of the dead. So I want to see what he's doing next. Well, there's a, there's a couple more impromptu movies thrown in for you there, guys. So that's what 16, maybe selections from us, from John, myself and big tuna to look out for again, they could be awful. All of them. We don't know that. We certainly hope they won't be, but they sound intriguing. Um, so, but like we say, the festival opens on the 20th of August. So one week's time, the festival opens. You'll be able to check this out yourself at fantasiafestival.com. And do you know what? I first, I can't wait to start getting the reviews out and talking to people about them and being able to share my opinions with JB, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, what the wider film going audience thinks about the films, but also the uptake of the festival. You know, we never know how, how these things are going to work out. The ship has been run very well so far. Let's just hope that, uh, people listening and people out there get on board because I'm interested. And I'm very excited at the offering from this festival, man. Yeah. It, it, they really put together quite an extensive uh, selection for an online. I mean, again, this might be the new normal with online festivals, but this is uh, watching it kind of evolve over the last couple of months has been interesting. And I'm impressed with what I've seen um, with these later festivals uh, that are, they're really getting, um, the filmmakers are willing to put their their work out there and let people see it. So while Matt has said uh, we don't know the quality of the films that we just previewed, um, hopefully they're all great. But like he said, they could all be not so great. But you know, at the very least, it's it's people whose voices you maybe haven't heard yet, and that's always compelling because you might find the next like Martin Scorsese or the next uh, Greta Gerwig, who I know she's still kind of up and coming but like her first two movies have just been you know had a pretty huge impact on the film world or jordan peele same way you know his two films um have had a huge impact on the horror genre so much so that you know we see his name on almost every horror movie now as a producer this you might find that filmmaker who's going to be that next big name um by checking out some of these festival films and again you might find the next person who uh you know isn't but the only way to know is to check them out Yep, the next the, the next big thing could become the next them, so which is the most exciting thing about these. So uh, in ten years' time, we could be looking back thinking, "Well, Christ, we saw that at that festival." So um, that's our Fantasia Festival preview show. So again, guys, go and go and enjoy the offerings at fantasiafestival.com because I know me and JBR. So uh, and when you do go check them out, do let us know what you think about the films for better or worse, and we'll be here to listen. And that's it for uh, this episode. Um, thanks again for listening. You remember, you can follow me at Burke Reviews, um, BurkeReviews.com, Twitter, Instagram, social media of any kind, basically. And uh, until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.